Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Syracuse is playing for the national title. It's too long, and Syracuse is your national champion. Who's out? What's up, Syracuse fans? It's Mike McAllister from AllSyracuse.com, part of the Sports Illustrated Network, with episode 34 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast presented by Bet Online and Hoffman Sausage Company. I am here with the man, the myth, the legend, Kyle Leff. And we were not planning on coming to you until after Syracuse's game at Virginia Tech. We are going to talk about both the Boston College and Virginia Tech game. But then something happened, something that... Syracuse fans thinking that this was the worst season in Syracuse basketball history, or at least in the Jim Beheim era. And Syracuse finally starts turning it around four wins in a row. The team is playing better. It looks like they're coming together. And then catastrophe. Syracuse's starting center, Jesse Edwards, fractured his left wrist in the game against Boston College, one that Syracuse won 73-64, and he is out for the rest of the season. Kyle, how are you doing in light of this news? Well, catastrophe is, is the right word I would, I would use. Uh, I am not doing well, Mike. I am unwell. Um, this came as a shock. I don't think anyone thought this is what was going to come out today. Um, that today was uh, the NBA trade deadline and it's going to be a day of excitement and joy. And I was chatting with some friends uh, and we were all together doing some work and on the spot, someone got the notification from the Q's basketball account. I said, uh, just is out for the year. And I've never seen heads drop faster because around campus, around Q's, the energy has been picking up. It's been building. Everyone's felt really good. We even discussed it. We were like, this team could make it to the tournament. Like we could, this is how we can get there right now. We look good. This, I I said it before we started recording. If you're going to lose anybody, there are only two players this season. You could not lose Buddy Bayheim and Jesse Edwards. And you lost Jesse. That is as bad as it gets for this team. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. A new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV, that's B L E A V, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. 
awful. I mean, that my first reaction when I got the email, um, you know, it comes out as, as a press release and uh, it comes from the SID Pete Moore. My first thought was, oh, Pete's email has been hacked. And, uh, you know, he's someone is sending this out as a joke. Uh, that, that was my first reaction was this. This can't be true. And then, of course, you know, you start doing a little bit of uh, investigating to make sure that it is realize that it is. It's been posted on uh, Syracuse's official men's basketball Twitter account and in some other places. So then my first reaction was, man, this team just can't catch a break this season. You know, I no, mean, you think can't. about you think about the fact that you had a road win at Wake Forest that was taken from you because the officials couldn't see someone foul Buddy twice and the Wake Forest guy knocked the ball out of bounds clearly, even despite a replay review. Um, you had one possession games where Syracuse had the ball with a chance to win it against Florida State. Um, close games down the stretch at Miami at home against Virginia where seems like in the final minute or so, everything that could go wrong did and Syracuse ends up not winning those games. Um, you know, they're up double figures against Georgetown up double figures at Pitt, up by 20 early on against Colgate lose all of those games. And then right when they're starting to show a glimmer of hope, this happens. I mean, just, that's 2022 for 2021-22. That's the 21-22 season for Syracuse it's, basketball. It's honestly tragic. I mean, I not, not even just that for the team. I feel bad for Jesse, that he has been playing superbly this season. We discussed it. He very much so was, in our eyes, at least the front runner for most improved. And he still is a candidate for it. But this is – he put in so much work this year. Defensively, he has been a monster – he just started getting the foul trouble thing fixed. Obviously, we'll discuss it with the BC game. That was a bit of a uh, um, it it look it looked good for him. It's really good. He has been invaluable. He's been perfect for us. And to have this happen at this time of the year is a gut punch. No question. Everything's looking good. You're going down to the wire with what six, seven games left. And you're like, we have a legitimate shot at the tournament. And to have this happen now, if this happens a month ago, maybe he's back in time, or maybe we can get someone like Frank Abrama up to speed, but in six games, and we'll discuss the options and where we're going from here, like where we're going to go forward with, we'll discuss it in a little bit, but could not be worse timing. No question. It's, it's awful. And it's, uh, you know, you first, you feel bad for him, right? Because he's having a tremendous season. Um, he's in line to win ACC comeback player of the year, or I'm sorry, uh, most improved player of the year. And, you know, perhaps he doesn't get that now because he's not playing the last seven, eight games. It's probably going to end up going to PJ hall of Clemson, but, um, there's, you know, he, the improvement he made from last year to this year, astronomical. And he still has a long way to go before he maximizes his potential. And we've seen throughout this year that he was showing improvement even during the year. As much as he improved in the offseason, you know, he had a game where he had three assists where he was starting to kick the ball out in, into open shooters in the corner. Um, he was getting better 
Boston College game aside, but he had been getting better at limiting his fouls, staying on the court. He hadn't fouled out in six straight games, I believe it was, going into the Boston College game. So there were a lot of signs that some of those things that were weaknesses at one point or earlier in the season or not strengths of his were getting better. And right as the team was rounding into form, right as Cole Swider was hitting his stride, right as Joe Girard were starting to play a little bit better as a true point guard, um, you all of a sudden have Jesse starting to take his game to another level, and then you lose him. And so it stinks for him. It stinks for the team. But, you know, we can whine and cry and complain about it all we want. Syracuse still has games to play. They're not going to cancel the games. They're not going to cancel the season, cancel, Mike. Cancel, cancel the, season. the season. Right. Or they're not going to do a simulation on NBA 2K or something as if Syracuse had Jesse Edwards and then give Syracuse that record going into the postseason. None of that's going to happen. Syracuse is going to have to play the games without him. So the question is, how do they do that? How do they make up for his lack of production, the 12 points in seven rebounds and three blocks per game. How does Syracuse make up for that production? And the first option is the obvious option, which is Anselm, the guy who has been Jesse's primary backup all season, who's averaging, you know, 10, 11 minutes a game. But in the most recent game where Jesse seemingly couldn't stay on the court because he kept picking up fouls, only played 14 minutes before he fouled out. Um, Frank played 23 minutes, had five points, six rebounds and a block. So decent production. And, you know, he's shown flashes at different points during the season. He's had games where he's had seven or eight points, mostly on dunks. He's not, um, as good in terms of touch around the rim as, as Jesse is, but you know, he can dunk the ball if given the opportunity, certainly proven that, um, and he's long defensively. So he's got the opportunity to be a little bit disruptive in there. I don't think he's as natural a defender as Jesse is right now, but um, you know, he's, he's going to be the first option. They're going to expect him to play 20 to 25 minutes a game most nights. And you know, he's, he's not going to get the quick hook. If, if he makes mistakes, he's going to be able to play through some of that. And uh, you know, the better option, which was Jesse is, is no longer there. So he's going to be the guy I think that, gets a bulk of those minutes and is going to have to make up for some of that production. Yeah. He's, he is one a for Syracuse in terms of who's going to start now. Um, as you said, he was the guy who was replacing Jesse throughout the season. Whenever Jesse needed to come out because of foul trouble, it felt like Frank would go in and be that guy. Um, and he, he's shown promise. We feel like you can trust him. Obviously he's an inch shorter, um, just about same kind of build looks the same obviously he's he's what jesse was last year in terms of where he is it's what we discussed a bit before we went on air um and i think he should be the one to play um i just wonder defensively that obviously he's good he's shown flashes but jesse defensively 2.8 blocks a game is not a small difference like that is a humongous gap to have to make up like if you go from averaging 2.8 blocks a game with your center to even one, those two blocks that you miss out on could be four points. It could be six points. It could be even more than that, that it, it adds a huge amount in there and it gives you a bit of a buffer. So all those close games we did lose by a couple points, 
maybe those games are a bigger gap or maybe games we won by a lot could be a lot smaller. It, it, the margin for error is gone now. Any margin we had at all, which we barely had any to begin with, is thrown out the window. Uh, it, it's down uh, at the, the bottom of the lake. It's not coming back up. Um, one has to hope that the rest of the team can step up and we'll discuss more of the team in a little bit. Um, and I have some thoughts, but he's 1A. He should be the next man up realistically if i'm if i'm jim Bayon. it's tailgating season and no one does it better than hoffman sausage company beer bratwurst jalapeno cheddar sausage kibasi and bun length chicken sausage add them to the menu with classic german franks and snappy grillers and fans will go wild proudly made in new york since 1879 when you bite into a hoffman you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells, Hoffman is a proud partner of Syracuse University Athletics. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think the, the positive spin to this is that he's going to get more time, which is going to give him more experience, and I think help him attack the offseason to be even better next year, um, assuming that that he does come back with the portal. God, you never know, but um, that's a whole separate topic. Assuming he he does come back to to be Jesse's primary backup next season, then you know he he could potentially earn uh, a few more minutes because of his ability to develop in the off season, partially in response to how he performs down the stretch of this season. I think that could end up giving him a lot of confidence going into next year. Um, so that certainly uh, could be a potential silver lining to this. But the other part is, I think you've got the potential here to almost write a real Hollywood type of a story, right? Like if, if this was a movie. Oh and- no. Oh no. Where is this going, Mike? Where is this going? If this was a movie, the natural end to this is that the guy who has been dealing with injuries his entire career, especially the last couple of seasons, who hasn't played at all this year because of the emergence of a guy like Jesse Edwards and Frank Anselm, Barama Sidibe, the injured veteran, comes out of nowhere to give 15 plus minutes a game of good solid play to make up for what you're losing in Jesse and to spark Syracuse's run to continue their strong play and figure out a way to get to the postseason where it's the NCAA tournament or getting to the NIT either way. That's the Hollywood. I mean, the Hollywood script would be making the NCAA tournament, but you know, just in general um, that would be, you have the potential now for for a story like that, that that I don't think most would believe you if you would offer that as a script prior to the season. So now you have that potential here where, um, and, and according to Jim Beheim, Baram has been playing well in practice and he thinks that he can play, you know, 15 minutes or so per game uh, pretty easily. He said that on his, his radio show um, Thursday night. So, you know, the, the Hollywood script is now there. It's we we know that that there's the potential for that now to have Frank come in, play well, but have Barama be the guy, even if it's off the bench that really gives Syracuse a spark, kind of re, rekindle some of the way that he played prior to getting hurt and can spark Syracuse to a run here in the last seven, eight games of the season. 
See, I look at this year and I'll, I'll go off of what you've said. I look at this year as a TV show. I look at this as this is a TV show that has been going on a bit too long. Um, you can take that in any direction as you will. Um, it's been going on too long and the first half of the season has been really rough. And then you hit the mid-season finale and it's gotten, it's built up a lot. Mid-season finale, the shocking, tragic loss. And in this case, Jesse Edwards going out. And then the second half of the season, you're like, I don't know what's going to happen anymore. Where is this going? Where is the TV show going to end? What's happening here? And this makes for the greatest character arc of all time. The, the grizzled veteran who averaged 24 minutes in 2019-2020, put up six points a game, uh, a little over a steal and a block a game, averaged almost eight rebounds a game. Uh, in uh, Didn't shoot very well from the free throw line, but that's here nor there. Um, but that guy, the guy who has been here, he's been here since 2017-18, before even I was here. He's been here. He's done that. He's played well for us when we needed him to. Could that be him? Could it be him? And it could be him. It could be Barama Sidibe. There's a very strong chance we see some sort of center by committee happen, that we see Barama play 15-20. We see Frank play 15-20. It's best of both worlds. You get the guy who's been there, who knows the system, who knows how to play in it, can give you 15 solid minutes. And then you have the wild card of Frank Anselm, where if he beats his potential, if he gets there, it looks really good. And then all of a sudden he phases Barama out. But if he doesn't play well, you go back to Barama and you know you've got at least some sort of steady force there who won't let you down. The For Barama, the ceiling is lower than it is with Frank, but the floor is higher than it is with Frank. That he's starting out above him in terms of where he is in the game, where he is with the zone, in this Bayheim system. Um, but it remains to be seen who's going to start. We're going to probably see... I would guess the first game we see truly who's going to be playing where and the exact rotation might be Duke. I think until then, the next couple games, this Virginia Tech game and the BC game are wishy-washy. I think Bam will play around with both of them. I think Notre Dame will be kind of that, like, is the, like the idea of what his lineup is going to be. And then Duke is the first game where we get the full center package of what's going to happen, how it's going to all work. Um, but I mean, hey, if you're if you want you want to buy a ticket, the movie start. Yeah, it, it, there's no question about that. Right now, it, it certainly is. Um, so we'll we'll see how that plays out. Now, there's there's other options, right? Besides just um, Frank and Brahma. Syracuse has other things that it can do to try to um, make up for some of what you're losing with Jesse Edwards. And that's something that we've seen Syracuse go to at different times this season, which is the small lineup. Now, typically when they've run with the small lineup, that's three guards instead of two forwards. You slide Buddy down to one of the forward spots, and then you have your um, other forward as either Cole or Jimmy. And then you've got Samir and Joe in the backcourt. Without Jesse, I still think Syracuse could go to that at, at times with either Frank or Barama in the middle, but you've got a couple of other options here. One is John Bolajak you could throw in the middle. Now, he typically, when he's come in, has played as a forward and not a center. I think uh, Coach Beheim feels more comfortable with him there defensively, 
But given that you've just lost your starting center, I don't think any option is necessarily off the table. So you could potentially play him there. He is 6'10". Um, he's not going to give you much offensively, but he can set screens. He's he's actually very good at that. And he gives he's going to give you a lot of energy defensively. So he's an option as someone that you could throw out there. Another option is playing a forward at the center spot. That would mean Jimmy or Cole or perhaps even Benny Williams. Now, Jimmy has played at center at different times this year, especially when teams go small against Syracuse. So if they're going to do that, that's the most likely option. I think Benny would be the best from strictly an athletic standpoint. However, the center is usually responsible for a lot of the rotation calls and adjustments and things of that nature. And I'm not sure that he knows enough about the zone to be able to make some of those calls. Now, perhaps he could play the middle and they could change the assignment to one of the forwards making those calls. That's an adjustment they could make, but some options and, and Cole, not sure that he's physical enough to play in there, but he's the best rebounder of the three forwards. So perhaps you put him in there too. And, and he is, you know, a legitimate six, eight, six, nine, and, and he's long. So he, you know, he, he can hold his own in there, but you know, Syracuse could decide to go a little bit smaller so that they've got more offense on the floor. That's, that's another option as well. And I think a lot of that's going to be, is going to be dependent on the matchups, how teams are playing against Syracuse without Jesse And the good news is you can do some of those things that perhaps are a little bit unexpected because they don't have tape on a lot of that. So I think there's some options there for Syracuse to perhaps surprise teams, even if it's only for a few minutes here and a few minutes there. I was going to say this, this lineup is very, is going to be fluid up until Duke up until the end of February um, and hopefully up through the NCAA tournament. Um, But we will, we'll have to wait on that. Um, If you're looking at this from a, matchup by matchup standpoint let's say he doesn't want to go frank he doesn't want to go sidibe for whatever reason um and you go say that small lineup say you go with the forwards and the guards if you're facing a team that has a dedicated center um that's it's not going to work and he's not going to do that he's going to put barama in he's going to put someone else in but if you're playing a team that does not have a center if i'm picking somebody i firstly say you could possibly play Jimmy at center like they have this year and put Benny out on a wing. You, you force Benny into the game because athletically, as we said, he's the best option you've got there. And if you play him on the wing, maybe you tell him if someone drives, we will figure out a way to rotate the zone just enough so you can come in and help Jimmy. Maybe, maybe there's some sort of rotational piece where you say Colin uh, Cole, and Benny have to rotate down a bit more, help out a little bit more in the center in terms of just playing defense. Maybe there's something you can do with that. Maybe you you tinker a little bit more with the zone in a way you may not have done previously um, to give Jimmy some help because he is not the most athletic of people. Um, but if you're not playing against the center, that's not bad because Jimmy doesn't have to be athletic if you're not playing against the center. Um, but the the problem comes in when you run up against a good team and I know he's not a center, but if you run up against a Paolo Banchero who is 6'10 and can dominate a game on his own, it's, it, it's, it's night, night for Syracuse at that point. That if you, if when you face Duke and you face him, that's about as bad of a matchup as you can get. 
the other one I would say would probably again Armando Baycott. We're looking in that the in the in, that, in the ACC that Armando Baycott's another six ten guy who's going to be an NBA draft pick. He's an NBA prospect. I that's not good. That's not a good matchup. That either of them, if they're playing somehow against uh, Jimmy down low, I if they don't put up thirty points, I would be shocked. And to have to say that out loud scares me because we have to play those two teams still and possibly say we go on a magical run. We play really well the rest of the season. We make the tournament. There's going to be one team we play who's going to have a center. We always get a bad match for the tournament and only so much buddy Bayheim shooting can get us out of things. It can only do so much that if we play a center, ow is the only word I have to say. Ow. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no question. It puts a lot more pressure on Syracuse's offensive players to shoot well, basically every single game. Um, and without that presence in the middle, it m- makes you wonder how teams are going to adjust how they are playing against Syracuse. But, um, you know, the good news is you did just win a game where he didn't, Jesse didn't play much. And when he did he play, played, he didn't really play he played, all that well. He played awfully. <laughs> right. Now, that was Boston College, one of the worst teams in the conference. So, obviously, that yeah, that's not going to be the same against the Notre Dames and the Dukes and the North Carolinas, but um, you did just win a game like that. So it's not like we haven't seen it, even if the competition level wasn't, you know, uh, as strong as it could be, but th- that's kind of where I wanted to go next was taking a look at the remainder of Syracuse basketball schedule. Uh, we know that they just beat Boston college on the road without Jesse doing much. Um, and they get Boston college at home not this coming Saturday, but the following Saturday. So you got to figure that's still a game you go into expecting Syracuse to win. Their very next game is this coming Saturday against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is a perimeter-oriented team. I don't think defensively, as far as Syracuse defensively, it's going to make that big of of a deal because whether or not Syracuse wins against Virginia Tech is going to be dependent on how they defend the three-point line Uh, because Virginia Tech is... Uh, top 10, I believe, in the nation, top five in the nation in three-point percentage shooting. Uh, they're number one in the ACC. They're over 42%. They have a guard coming off the bench who is shooting 63% from three. They Ow. have another guard, Ow. another guard who comes off the bench who's shooting 51% from three. And they're Those not even are their top off scorer. of their bench. They're, <laughs> they're not. Even their top scorer. Um, Kiva Luma is their top scorer. He's a forward. He's 6'9". But that's someone you could at least match up with. I think there's a shot there. Right. Whoever you play can match up with him. Yeah, and and he's he's a, a decent outside shooter for for a guy his size. He's shooting at about 29 percent this year. He was about 35 percent from three last year. But he's not necessarily a perimeter oriented player. He gets a lot of his stuff from the free throw line and in. But he's averaging over 15 points a game. And then, you know, their their other um, double digit scorers are their perimeter guys, um, whether it's Hunter uh, Couture, whether it's um, Naheem Lane, whether it's uh, Justin Mutz, you know, they're, they're shooting 47%, 40%, 39% from three um, and, and all averaging just over 10 points a game. So, you know, these, these are guys that can all shoot. Then they've got, um, Murphy off the bench, who, who's shooting about 40, 46% from three. Um, you've got 
Maddox off the bench, who's shooting 51%, and then Padula, who's shooting 63%. So I they mean, have shooting in reserve. They have they have every left right. Everywhere. So. Everybody, everybody that plays as part of their normal rotation can shoot. Daryl uh, Morey so, would be in dreamland with this team. That is the best right. way I would put it. That's right. So, you know, Syracuse is going to have to give something up. It's probably going to mean that they're going to expect Frank to cover uh, Aluma one-on-one while they let everyone else focus on the outside and try to stay at home on the shooters. Uh, That's probably an advantage to Aluma. You would feel better if Jesse was in there, but um, you know, it's, it's a team that last year Syracuse played well against them and Merak Dolajai was playing in the middle. Syracuse beat him at home uh, last year and Virginia Tech didn't shoot that well. So, you know, we'll see how how well this goes. But, you know, I, I think Syracuse has a game plan they feel confident in. It's just going to be whether or not they can execute it without Jesse. Then Boston College comes next, which we already discussed. Then they get Georgia Tech at home uh, the game after that. Georgia Tech is 10 and 13 overall. Uh, they are second to last in the conference at three and nine. They are also more of a guard slash perimeter oriented team. They're shooting about 36% from three as a team, but um, their top six scores are all guards. Um, you know, they've got a forward in Khalid Moore, who's, who's a six, seven senior and a center in Rodney Howard, who's six ten two fifty, that, that play substantial minutes, but you know, it's, it's largely going to be with them, how you guard Michael DeVoe, a six, five guard and Jordan Usher, who's a six, seven wing, those two guys and how you defend those two is, is really going to determine um, how successful Syracuse is. So I think from a matchup perspective, that's one where perhaps you don't miss Jesse nearly as much. So I think for the next three games, it gives Frank a chance to kind of get into a little bit of a rhythm because it's the next four after that that's really going to determine where things go with Syracuse. And that's at Notre Dame, who is um, currently number one in the ACC. They're 10 and three in conference, 17 and seven overall. Um, Their best players are um, Goodwin, Dane Goodwin, who's averaging almost 15 points a game. He's a really good outside shooter at, at about 46%. Um, Paul Atkinson Jr. Is, is a really good player, but he's more of a, an interior player at 6'9", 230, averaging about 12, 13 points and seven rebounds a game. And, and that's where the problem I think comes in. That's, that's where the problem exactly, comes. Exactly, is where is how does um, – Syracuse defend him without Jesse. You, you would have figured that um, that would have been a good opportunity for, for Jesse to have yeah. an impact. But these, then he will play Duke. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, we Duke know and, what, <laughs> and we know what Duke is with um, Mark Williams, you know, seven foot, 240 pound sophomore, uh, best shot blocker in the ACC. And then, um, oh yeah, he's actually only like their fourth best player. Yeah, and then you have Paolo Banchero, the number one overall pick in the NBA draft upcoming. Like, yeah, I mean, they, they beat forward. Syracuse by. I think I think it ended up being twenty, but it was really a thirty point game for most of the second half, and that was when Syracuse had Jesse Edwards. Now that yeah. was at their place, not in the dome. Syracuse is going to be amped up for the game. Um, 
So, you know, it could be closer, but you Syracuse certainly going to miss Jesse Edwards in that game. There's no question. And then you get North Carolina with Armando Baycott, one of the best centers, despite the fact that he's uh, really, really good at flopping. Um, but he's 16 he, points and 12. Oh, he's he, he, he had, had, he had, had one. A, he had a, he had an egregious one where he got lightly tapped, I believe, on like the chest. And it wasn't even like the guy, like it was a light, like tap. Like I'd be like tapping on the shoulder basically. And he, Flung his arms up in the air, James Harden style, flung himself. Flung backwards, slid across the field. I mean, it was basically, it was a Louisville guy coming over to essentially just sort of tap him slightly to be like, hey, can you move out of the way while I get my guy out from under the pile? And he decided to fling himself like that, which ended up with a, a technical foul on the Louisville guy. That was ridiculous. Then against Clemson in, in one of North Carolina's most recent games. Um, they had a play where a Clemson guy stood up after he had, um, he had taken a shot. He had slipped to the ground. And as he was getting up, he came somewhat near Baycott who was in the process of starting to inbound the ball. And when that guy got somewhat close to Baycott, he flung himself backwards as if he had been contacted and the guy never even made contact. So he's, he's got a little bit of a history of doing that's why I said he's really good at flopping, but anyway, so that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, He's, he's, perhaps the best rebounder in the ACC, 6'10", 240 pounds, 17 points, 12 rebounds a game. Not having Jesse Edwards is certainly going to hurt in that game because I think with Jesse Edwards, I think that's a game that Syracuse could have gone in and would have a shot to win. Then you get Miami as the last game of the season. Um, you know, Miami, they're 9-4. and four. They're fourth in the ACC, 17-7 and seven overall, um, but they haven't been – you know, they, they almost like peaked earlier in the season when they won at Duke um, and that put them in first place in the ACC. But since then they have lost to Florida state twice. Uh, They lost to Notre Dame and lost to Virginia. Now, none of those are bad teams, but you know, they've, they've lost their four conference games all within the last six or seven games. So, um, and, and that's not a team that's overly big. They're also a perimeter-oriented team. Uh, yes, you have Wardenberg, who's 6'10", 225 pounds, but he's more of a perimeter big than he is a, a true center. So that's what I think that you still, and, and it's in the dome, that you still think that you've got a realistic shot to win. I think what this really does is, as far as the rest of the schedule goes, it takes the North Carolina and the Duke game and almost puts them into you need a Herculean effort, like shooting 70% from three for the whole game to pull those out now. But, you know, Syracuse ha- still has a chance to navigate this, but there's no question the margin for error is much less. Yeah, the margin for error is absolutely gone. These next three games are going to be where Jim Beheim figures out this lineup, and then that Notre Dame-Duke-UNC stretch is where either it's a make or break. And in all honesty, and this is going to sound strange, if we can win the next three games and do what we expected us to do, if say we go in these last seven games, we go five and two, we lose to a Duke or UNC and we lose to a Notre Dame or Miami. We lose two of those four. Um, I think that honestly makes our resume look better than if we had Jesse. And that sounds strange in practice because you say, Oh, missing your center though. So it should detract from you. But if we beat two of them without Jesse, it looks better because all of a sudden we did it without him. 
that's gotta be good for something. So it's a, it's, it's, a, it's playing, playing the game um, in, a, in a weird way. Um, do I obviously wish we had Jesse? Obviously um, this could go really well, or it could go really poorly for these last seven games. And Mike, I am honestly not looking forward to it. I was, I was enjoying this stretch. I was enjoying this, this feeling of winning. Um, it's the only team I have left playing because my Knicks have done nothing. So it felt really good to have a team. And now to have this happen hurts. It's, it scares me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling good right now. I don't, I don't feel good at all. I don't blame you. I don't think any Syracuse fan is. Um, it's as we've said several times, tough blow, but um, you know, they've, they've still got uh, Cole Swider play much better. We know that buddy hasn't really consistently hit his, his stride as far as outside shooting. Um, Joe has been playing much better. Joe Girard has been playing much better recently. Jimmy has been, you know, solid um, recently. Nothing that jumps off the page, nothing egregious either. Um, and, you know, Samir is starting to get back into the flow off the bench since uh, he missed the one game with an injury. So, you know, they've they've still got some things that are positives that are in, on that side of, you know, that check some boxes in terms of being able to be competitive. And I still think the next three games set up so that um, it doesn't hurt you as much based on the matchups and, and the way that some of these teams play. Uh, Virginia Tech probably of the next of the next three hurts you the most because um, you know Aluma is is really good. But um, you know we'll see how it goes. Either way, they're still going to play the games, and uh, you know Syracuse is still going to have to go out there and, and try to win some to preserve uh, Jim Beheim's winning season streak because they don't put an asterisk on there that says, Oh, but you didn't have your starting center. So now it doesn't count as a losing season. It doesn't work that way, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. And we will of course cover it all for you down the stretch of the season here at the believe in Syracuse podcast. That'll do it for episode 34 presented by bet online and Hawkins sausage company. I'm Mike McAllister for Kyle app. We'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.